families reunited. We bless your name. Take all the glory, our Father. All the glory must be to you and you alone. We are grateful. One more time, can we put our hands together and celebrate Jesus today? Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Can you say happy anniversary to your neighbor as you take your seat? Praise God. For everyone joining us online from all around the world, we want to welcome you to Pieces Conference Center uh, this wonderful time of the world. And as we celebrate the ninth anniversary of the Elevation Church, our hearts are filled with gratitude because we've seen the things that only God can do. We cannot pretend to be smart or to have wisdom or uh, to be strategic in any way. We just know that where God has chosen to do something, uh, it breaks the barriers and it gets what he wants to do done. We're just privileged uh, to be vessels that God has found faithful to use. And on behalf of my team, uh, the trustees of this church, the, the workers and all congregants, we're I'm giving all the glory to God today for his goodness, for his mercy, you know, it's, it's, his goodness is always running after us. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you, follow us all the days of our lives. And we have seen that. And we cannot pretend that it has not happened. It has happened. God has brought increase. God has brought uh, um, all kinds of goodness. We're grateful to God for all that he has done. And today, for us, all the time in this service will not be enough to celebrate. So we started our celebrations since Wednesday. Um, and celebration continues because it's a new beginning for us as a church as we go into the 10th year of our church. Uh, incidentally, it's the beginning of a new decade. So we're pressing the reset button. It's a new beginning. Uh, we're starting afresh. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're doing. We're starting afresh. And, you know, God, the Bible says um, revelation is in, is in part. Here, a little there, a little uh, precept upon precept, line upon line. Uh, the little that we've seen, we've seen it manifest, but there's much more that God wants to do through our church and through people that he will raise from here. This is a nation-changing, a generation-changing uh, church. And we believe that God will use you and will use all of us to accomplish his purpose for this generation in Jesus' precious name. Can you let me look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, say, God wants to use you. Tell your neighbor your wildest dreams will come to pass if you dare to dream under God. I can go on and on and just share testimonies of things that God has done. But you know, as we, as before I preached in the first service, I, I, I remember talking about just a bit of how God amazes us here. And maybe I should, I should say it again. It's probably going to help somebody and put some courage in your heart. Um, God's vision for our individual life and for our organizations will unfold gradually. Sometimes we feel we've captured everything, uh, but God is always daring us to believe him and to be courageous about the things that he has spoken to us about. And, you know, on Wednesday here, we had, I, I refused to preach. I just said, let's just discuss. So I sat here and people asked questions. Pastor TJ moderated the same thing on Thursday at the Mainland Center, Pastor Debo moderated. And one of the questions they asked me was that, did you think uh, that this church was going to grow? And it's a case of, Lord, I believe, help my own belief. Because the Bible says, Paul planted Apollo's water, but God brought the increase. God is the God of increase. 
that you believe that what God has put in your hand is going to become big, that your business is going to grow, or you're going to have career progression, or whatever it is, that your dream will come to pass. It's always a case of, Lord, I believe, help my own belief. Lord, I believe, help me because I'm doubting. Uh, because at the end of the day, it just wants us to position for grace. Heaven is never lacking in supply of grace. We only have people who are not rightly positioned. Yeah. And when we position right, God moves and gets things done on our behalf. A good testimony, which I love to share, is a testimony of this priestess conference center, this property. And I'm sharing this testimony for somebody here who wants to dream big in this new beginning for us as a congregation. And who wants to, to just uh, um, step out for God. And as I preach this morning, you will understand what I'm saying better. Because I'm here today, uh, I'm start, we're starting a new series of teachings, which I've titled, Welcome to Church. But before I get to preach, I need to share this testimony. It's in, in the scope of what God is doing right now, it's still a big thing for us, but it's in the past. And when we celebrate, you know, uh, uh, Psalm 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, verse 1, and forget not all of his benefits. Forget not all of his benefits. God has done so many things. Many people have been healed here. Lives transformed, souls saved. But there's a material testimony that I love to share, and that is this property. And I'm sharing it just for one person here. That in 2012, my team and I went on a retreat uh, in December of that year. And we, we said we want to come up with a five-year plan. Yeah, Pastor am I right? Five-year plan. We still have the document. Five-year plan for the Elevation Church. You know, it's one thing for God to put something in your heart. It's another thing for you to come under the influence of the Holy Spirit to dream and stretch it out. Two years ago, we, we did a 20-year plan for our church, which we're still following right now. But in 2012, we had a five-year plan, five-year retreat. And when we concluded, we went to Inagbe Island, which is just off the coast of Lagos here. We called that document Inagbe Accord. We said, this is what we're going to follow because we believe we are prayed and this is what God has put in our heart. Uh, we came up with plans on how to increase leadership strength, to, to, you know, to raise people and uh, uh, help people, you know, and all that. But one of the things we also uh, came up with was that with the rate at which we are going, we need another property. And we said, what size should we be thinking about? We said, nothing less than 10,000 square meters. As at that time, we were at, uh, on Remilo Day, we at the second roundabout there, a property that is 2,000 square meters, and then another 2,000 square meters beside it, which we used for parking. So everything was 4,000. And we said, we want to get nothing less than 10,000. And then we, we got back, January of that year, I told my personal assistant then, Pastor uh, Timothy Adiremi, who is now uh, the Greater Lekki Center. I said, let's talk to realtors. Let them bring properties around here, anything over 10,000. All the properties they were bringing, the cheapest among them was about 800 million naira. I just told him, I said, just be filing it away. I don't want to see anything that will make me sad. Because he said, oh, this one, 15,000, is 1.1 billion. This one, I was like, from where to where? Ah, how? This is not the kind of money we're talking about. <laughs> we can't afford this. But I kept praying. And then God spoke to me. You know, I've told the story before about frying pan. He said, expand your frying pan. The story about the guy who went fishing. And... Um, you know, he sat beside the lake, was fishing, when he would bring out uh, a fish, and then he will use one stick, measure it, and then throw it back. And his friend said, what are you doing? I'm not catching as many as you are catching, but you're throwing back. Why don't you be giving it to me? He said, no, uh, I just, you know, I made a pact with God before I left home. I don't want to waste anything. I measured my frying pan with this stick. Any fish that is bigger than this 
stick. I throw back. I just want the one that fits my frying pan. Yeah. So his mind was fixed. And that's the way some of us operate. Yeah. Any idea that's too big for your mind, you throw back. They say, come, come. We're, we're having a meeting. We just want to discuss a proposal. Yeah, he says, say, say, it's a proposal, you know, the, the, the project will be about $100 million. They say, eh, no. We'll be going. I will come later. Or come, let's, let's go and help some people, you know. Or let's go and speak to government. Or let's go and do something. Or somebody's dreaming big. Let's start this, you know, social impact project. You say, oh, I just want a salary. That's, that's where some people are. But as I prayed, God started to expand my heart. You know, my frying pan became bigger. So they brought this property. We inspected. Brought another one. We inspected. And what happened? We set up a committee. To, people who are professionals to just look at, to help the church, to help us evaluate properly. I love to make decisions with professional advice. And um, eventually, they came up with they narrow down to two. One further down and one here. This is 17,000 square meters, another 20,000 somewhere, which is off the road. And then I used to live at the estate behind here, Rome Garden. One Saturday morning was this environmental sanitation. We used to do that then, where they shut everything down till 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. And I walked out of that estate, just like taking a walk. I came, this was just bare land not fenced. And I just came on it, walked on this land, and I was praying in the Spirit. And I felt God spoke to me that this is the place you should believe me for. On Sunday like this, which was the next day, I, I spoke to the head of the committee that was set up. I said, I feel this is the place God wants us to get. That land, that particular land. I mean, then we're further down. And he said, okay, Pastor, we'll put a call through to the sellers. On Monday, they put a call through to the sellers. The sellers said, oh, sorry, we have some people who have showed interest. But they've made a deposit. I don't know whether it's 100 million or 50 million. They've made a deposit and um, we, we, we can't talk to you except they can't pull through with the payment. We said, How long? He said, oh, About two, three weeks, end of the month. If they can't make their first installment payment, then we'll start to talk to you. I looked at the man. I said, That's the committee head. I said, I feel God spoke to me. So if truly God spoke to me, they won't be able to pay. And we will be able to pay. But if if I was just hearing something, then they would pay. And then God has another place for us. It's not a do or die affair. Yeah. <laughs> then three weeks down the line, 5 p.m. of a particular Friday, we got a call from the company saying that the other people were not able to pull through. So now, based on the agreement they signed with them, they can talk to anybody. We said, let's start talking. And we started talking. Lord, I believe, help my own belief. We didn't have the money. It was over a billion naira to be paid for this space. You know, it's good for everybody to come to church now, but you don't know where we're coming from. Yeah. Because some people think this church has always been like this. It's not always been like this. Yeah. You know, there's a time uh, they will give you a figure and you all through your sleep, you just be saying one and zero, 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 zero. Yeah. You wake up with zeros just floating everywhere. You know. <laughs> and um, as God will have it, just a few young people, but very committed. Demographics of our church has changed quite a bit in the last five years. But then just a few young people, but extremely committed. Can I tell you the truth? Within a space of nine months, we raised half of that money without begging anybody, without sucking up to anybody, without raising any pillars of the church, 
we just talk to ourselves. We talk to ourselves. We made a deposit of half of that money. And they yielded this place to us. We couldn't construct or anything yet. And one year later, 2015 January, this place was fully paid for. And it was the first property that we own as a church. But if I'll tell you the story in the midst of all that, and this is how I believe that God operates. In the midst of all that, God challenged me once. I think it was in 2015 or so. That some of the things you are trusting me for, you need to do my will and you need to do the things that are closest to my heart. Be a blessing and I will raise your church. I mean, I will raise you and your people. We're looking for people to bless. We went to Ekwe. Some people told us there's a school in Ekwe that is completely run down. It was a Muslim school. Yeah. But government school. I think it was Sumeratu Islamia. And whilst we were looking for money to pay these people, we spent 20 million naira to rebuild, I mean, we built 10 blocks of classrooms for them. You see, many people don't understand that God will do what he will do, but faith without works is dead. You do the work also. Part of the work is to be a blessing to humanity, to sow seeds, to lift people, to raise people. Yeah. And many more things. That's why every time we need stuff in this church, God shows up. Because he can count on us to do his will in the life of everyone that he will send to us. Are you still with me today? If you're praying here for resources and you've been praying and it's not showing up, change your prayer. Ask God, what do you want me to do as a seed? Yeah. <laughs> Who do you want me to bless? What people group? Which family? You know, and you just say things happen around you. Glory be to Jesus. I said, glory be to Jesus. Can you have me tap your neighbor again and say, your wildest dreams will come to pass? Based on what God is doing right now, that's an old testimony. Many new things that God is doing. Many new things that he's about to do. He's going to do it in your life because your testimony is the testimony of this church. Yeah, the church is not about the building or landed property. It's about human beings that God wants to transform. Yeah, we just need a place to gather. We need centers to do stuff. We need rallying points. Yeah, the real gospel is not church building. It's a mandate of a kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's bringing heaven to earth. That's why the church exists. Glory be to Jesus. Amen. Give somebody a high five. Tell them welcome to church. <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. Love to get into the word of God very quickly. We're starting a new series of teachings this morning that I've titled, Welcome to Church. And we're going to stretch this teaching for, I think, the next four or five weeks. Welcome to church. We're going to be speaking to God's purpose and original intention for the church. So the objective of our new teaching series, Welcome to Church, is for people to fully understand the purpose of the body of Christ as a whole, as well as the local church, the Elevation Church. So as we celebrate our ninth anniversary, we want to bring everybody back to the knowledge of why we exist and why we do what we do. As we press the reset button again, we'll start with why again. Why all these? Why do we gather? Why did God even institute the church? And I start with this first message in this series today, 
that I've titled The Greatness Mandate. The Greatness Mandate. The Greatness Mandate. In Genesis chapter 12, when you read from verse 1, God started to speak to Abraham. He said, come out of your people, out of your kindred, to a place that I will show you. And he said, and I will bless you and I will make your name great. I will bless you and I will make your name great. The greatness mandate came from God's transaction or covenant with Abraham. Abraham did not ask for greatness. It was God that said, I will bless you and I will make your name great. And today we sing the song, Abraham's blessings are mine. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, the Bible says uh, that, uh, 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 it said, uh, cause is everyone that hung on the tree because it's written, uh, um, it's, it's, uh, okay, let me read it. It said, Christ has redeemed us from because of the law, for it is, it, it is written, for it became a cause for us, for it is written, cause is everyone that hung on the tree. But where I'm going is verse 14, that's what I'm looking for. He said that the blessing of Abraham may come upon who? In Christ. The Gentiles in Christ. Who are the Gentiles in Christ? Anyone that is not a biological Jew. You know, in Bible days, you are either a Jew or Gentile. God had a covenant with Jewish people, and every other person was outside of the scope of the covenant. When Christ came, Christ came to take away the middle wall. So there's no difference between the Jews and the Greek. The same Lord over all is good unto all that call upon his name. So in Christ Jesus, the middle wall of perdition that separates us from God as Gentiles has been removed. That the blessing of Abraham may come upon the Gentiles who are in Christ Jesus, who have been grafted into the same covenant. So greatness for a New Testament Christian is a mandate. It's a kingdom mandate based on God's interaction with Abraham. Can you look at your neighbor for me and tell your neighbor, I carry the greatness mandate. I'll say it again, say the greatness mandate. It's upon my life. I can't live beyond, b- below it. Glory be to Jesus. The church, ladies and gentlemen, exists to push the greatness mandate. To push the frontiers of God's kingdom. God has an agenda for his kingdom. One of the issues we have had in Africa is that we have stopped at the, the gospel of salvation rather than the gospel of the kingdom. They're not the same. One is just a subset of the other. The gospel of salvation is a subset of the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of salvation says you have to be saved and you need to go to heaven. And most people will sing the song, heaven is our goal. Ladies and gentlemen, heaven is part of the goal. It's not the main goal. <laughs> Jesus came to raise more sons to glory. And as a son, you have to manifest on earth. If heaven was the only goal, the day you gave your life to Christ, angels will come and carry you. Yeah. Let them give your house to somebody else. They are finished. Yeah, it's true. Because if that's the only end game for God, that's not the end game for God. The gospel of the kingdom. <laughs> In the book of Revelation, the Bible says, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and, we shall, uh, uh, we, 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 and of his Christ and we shall reign in it. Are you still with me today? God, Jesus said, when you pray, pray after this manner. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. When Jesus was on earth, he was telling them, repent, because the kingdom of God is at hand. You may not understand that very well, because you live in Lagos. And maybe you, you, you're an immigrant in Lagos. You don't even recognize the monarchy in Lagos. You understand what I'm saying? You don't, the word kingdom is not strong again, because we now live in democracy. But in the day that Jesus was saying the kingdom of God was, is here, it was the Roman Empire. 
that held the kingdom. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So when you announce a kingdom, when there's an existing kingdom, it's a treasonable offense. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. And when they ask him, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. So ladies and gentlemen, the church is not a subculture. It's the main culture. Jesus came to introduce the kingdom of God as the main culture. And those of us who are part of the kingdom of God are supposed to be the carriers of the frontiers of that kingdom. Hold the mandate of the kingdom. And it's a greatness mandate. And manifest what God has in mind for his kingdom. So God has a purpose for you and I. He has a purpose for our church. He has a purpose for you as an individual. And a part of that purpose, a major part of that purpose, is to see his own kingdom agenda come to pass. God wants lives transformed. He wants many sons to come into righteousness. He wants nations changed. He wants poor people to be lifted out of the dust. Because it's God that lifts the poor out of the dust. He wants people to live a good life. He wants us to have his kingdom here on earth. And he wants to do it through you and through me. Glory be to Jesus. But a lot of the time we find ourselves in a place where we start to second guess the grace of God and what God wants to do. Let's read from Jeremiah chapter 1. You see what I'm talking about in the life of Jeremiah. Let's just use him as an example at this juncture. Jeremiah chapter 1, when you read from verse 4, I'll read down to 10. Jeremiah had a conversation with God. And just like you and I, God was calling him, but he didn't understand this and he was second guessing himself. So in Jeremiah chapter 1, when you read from verse 4, the word of the Lord came to me saying, verse 5 says, Before I formed you, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. The word sanctified means set apart. I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. In this verse of the scripture, Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, we see two things. God said, I form people based on my pre-knowledge or my purpose for them. My original intention for them. I intend for them to be able to achieve some things or do some things and then give them a frame that will heed my intention. Are you still with me? So, my purpose predates my form. I was formed for his intention. I will say together. So, if I'm short, I'm just good enough for his intention. If I'm, I want to say long. If I'm tall, <laughs> if I'm tall, that's just good enough for his intention. I will say together. Yeah. If I am Robust, robust, for a robust, a, a robust full destiny. There's any word like that. Glory be to Jesus. He said, before I formed you, I knew you. And I ordained you a prophet to the nation. So the two things there, one is that we were shaped for God's original intention. And there's an ordination, a selection for a particular thing or a particular area. And I'm going to explain very quickly. So, God shaped you for a purpose. And everyone has a unique configuration of spiritual gifts, of hearts, abilities, and personalities that God wants to use. Can you uh, put the shape uh, slide on the screen for me, please? So, when I use the word shape or form, I want to use that word as an acronym. If you've gone through our course, shape, in our maturity courses, there's a particular course that's called shape. The next time they advertise it, please go for it. We teach it and break all these things down to help people and carry out tests on people to help them discover their shape. That's why the church exists. 
The church is a place where I discover my shape. My shape is not my decision, it's my discovery. Are you still with me today? Yeah, it's not my decision, it's my discovery. I discover my shape. And when you come into a church like this, it's a spiritual family where we nurture people's shape for kingdom purpose. Yeah, we're here to nurture our shape for kingdom purpose. So when you look at uh, this acronym, S stands for spiritual gift. Every human being that God created has one spiritual gift or the other. When you come into the kingdom of God, when you become born again, those gifts start to be released because your spirit is, not, is now alive. Before you get saved, you're cut off from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to you know, activate his gift in you. That's what happens. So we have one spiritual gift or the other. Some people have a gift of administration, gift of hospitality, a gift of prophecy, ability to see things before they happen, all kinds of gifts. And you have one gift or the other. It's part of your shape. We have the heart, which is the seat of passion. There are no passionless human beings. We only have people who have not discovered their passion. God has never created a passionless soul. God himself is a bundle of passion, and he releases part of it in every one of us. The heart is a seat of passion, and you need to discover your passion. Some people are passionate about children. Some people are passionate about, about employment. Some people are passionate about beauty, passionate about you know, fashion, passionate about media, whatever you're passionate about, you need to be able to discover it. Some people are passionate about food, whether to eat it or to sell it. You just need to discover what, what are you passionate about. We have all kinds of abilities. Yeah. We enjoy the elevation praise of praise this morning with Chairman Femi leading. Yeah, maybe in the second coming, I'll sing like that. But for now, uh, I can't sing to save my life. I don't have that ability. I know I can be trained for it, and I'm going to make out time. Yeah? But at this material point in time, if singing would take, us, take me to heaven, I may not be able to enter. Thank God I don't need to sing for the gate to open. <laughs> the gate opens by the precious blood of, blood of the Lamb. Glory be to Jesus. <laughs> but I have my own abilities also, and you have your own ability. Yeah. Some people can write, some people cannot write to save their life. Even if police arrest you and say, write a statement. Some people will beg the police to help them write this statement. <laughs> All kinds of different abilities that people have. It's part of your shape. God shapes us differently. Personality. I mean, the four cardinal personality types, we all know, sanguine, melancholy, phlegmatic, choleric. Different people. Some people can talk, some people cannot talk. Some people think more than they talk, some people talk more than they think. All kinds of people. Some personalities are more creative than the other. But you, you have something. It's a unique personality. There are no good or bad personalities. God just wants each and every one of us to use our personality for his glory and for the benefit of mankind. And we have experiences, from vocational experiences to parental experiences. Somebody may be sitting down here today. You grew up you know, in, in a, with single parent, a single parent. God wants to do something with that. If you haven't read my book, Don't Waste Your Pain, you need to read it. I spoke extensively, I mean, I wrote extensively about the need for us to recognize that God wants to do certain things with our unique experiences in life. I've often preached about the fact that I was brought up in a polygamous home, and um, I'm, uh, I'm grateful to God for the experiences, because some of those experiences help now in pastoring. I'm used to crowd. 
Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. And I don't mind for many people to be around me. I grew up with like 26 or 27 siblings in the same house. Yeah. Some of us grew up with two parents, father and mother. Grew up with six. Yeah. And you have to call all of, all of them mommy. Sometimes you're even confused. <laughs> if somebody's not, if, in, if you're not looking at the shape where, you may think it's your mother, but it's not your mother because there are too many mothers in the house. <laughs> but everything has its benefit. That's what I'm saying today. Everything that God has taken you through, some of your most bitter experience, God wants to use it as part of your shape and there's something he wants to do with it. And the church is a place where you discover your shape. So that you can serve God and serve humanity with your shape. Are you still with me today? God uses all kinds of experiences to bat or advance his plans for our lives. So he told Jeremiah, before I formed you, I knew you. I knew you. Jesus looked at the disciples, he said in Mark 1 and 16, you know, 16, 17, there he said, I, I want to make you fishers of men. You are experienced in fishing. I want to transposition that experience and use it for God's kingdom. The problem with most of us is that uh, uh, when God calls us in line with our gift, talent, and you know, natural inclinations, what we do is that we second-guess ourselves and second-guess what we have. We second-guess ourselves and second-guess what we have. We think it's not good enough. It's that the story of the widow in 2 Kings chapter 4 that Elijah met in verse 2 and said, the widow came to Elijah, the creditors has come to carry my children, uh, you, you know, my husband is one of the sons of the prophets, but he died with nothing. The man was, you know, was, um, was spiritual but poor. And Elijah said, what can I do for you? What do you have in your house? The woman said, nothing but a jar of oil. Nothing but a jar of oil. Thank God she looked inward and at least said, but. Some people here are saying nothing, nothing. That's the problem. You cannot come under the greatness mandate thinking nothing, nothing. There has to be something in you that God wants to use. Something in your shape that God wants to use. The, the, the least you can say is nothing but. Nothing but I can smile. Nothing but I can talk my way through. Nothing but I'm a people person. Nothing but I can dance. Nothing but there has to be something. Tap your neighbor, tell your neighbor there's something. Yeah. There's something. There's something that God wants to use. There's something that God wants to use. Something that God wants to use. Jesus told his disciples, I know I can, you can catch fish. I'll use that. That's good enough. I'll make you fishers of men. And that's also loaded. Because many people are at the place in their lives where all they want right now is to move from survival to success. Yeah. Just move from survival to success. That's why the word breakthrough sells in Nigeria. Many people are so deprived in their deprivation, they cannot think of significance. They can only think of success. When Jesus called his disciples, I want to take you from survival. When you fish for fish, either you eat it or you sell it. You just want to survive. Yeah. What about if you're fishing something you can't eat or sell? <laughs> Somebody see here this morning. What about fishing something that you, for something that you can't eat or sell, but for transformation, for impact? What about moving from, from survivor and flying above success into significance? Because Jesus took his people and yanked them Many people in our nation today and in our continent today just want success and we can do anything to get success. So for us, for most people in our world today, greatness is about the size of your house, the size of your bank account, you know, your status. 
I'm great. No. Jesus said in Matthew 23, verse 11, whoever would be the greatest among you must be the servant of all. It's about serving with your shape. That's how you become great. That's how you become great. Some people may never have affluence in their entire life, but they will be remembered forever because they serve the purpose of God's kingdom. They live for God's divine agenda. Apparently, God wants us to have the best of the two worlds. How do I mean? The gospel of the kingdom is beyond the gospel of salvation, which says, get saved and go to heaven. It says, get saved, become empowered, and impact your world. Yeah, impact your world. Impact your world. This church exists to make greatness common. And our definition of greatness is service. And we, 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 we're trusting God to keep empowering us to empower people to discover their purpose, move from survival to success, but not stay at success, move to significance. Move to significance. What are you going to do with all the money that you're making? You know, it's good to share a testimony in church, like the testimony of the young guy that we played today. He came to Lagos, you know, got a good job, settled down. And so what? Is that an end in itself? After you bought your first uh, four-bedroom duplex, like all the ones that are selling around here, some people, for the next five years, that's the testimony. Yeah, take a picture with it, put it on Facebook, so that all your alumni of your school can see it. And I live in Lekki, and I have my own house. And look at my Jeep. Jesus did not die for you to have a house. Yeah. That's not why he came. People who have not accepted his death and resurrection, they have houses. Yeah. He died to redeem you so that you can also reconcile other people and become a part of a kingdom. A kingdom that has a mandate to transform our world, to save souls, and to live a life of significance. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. You don't need Jesus if all you want is affluence. You can use your brain. <laughs> but Jesus will give you divine ideas, empower you, but help you to keep your mind and spirit at a level where you can connect with him so that the things that break his heart can break your heart. And you can do something about it. And he wants to use your shape. He wants to use your shape. So becoming a fisher of men was a grander vision. God has a grander vision in mind for you. We have to touch lives and impact beyond our trade. The fisherman is focused on self and survivor. The fisher of men is focused on impact and purpose. The lowest level of living, like I said before, is survivor. You must move from survivor to impact. That's why this church exists. If you truly want to be a part of this mandate, you can't stay with success. Yeah. What we're celebrating this ninth anniversary is not success. We're celebrating impact. Yeah. We're privileged people to lead this church, my team and I. Just, it's just a privilege. It's just a privilege. And you have to do the same in the areas of your calling according to your shape. We can change this nation if all of us would deploy our shape. Are you still with me today? Let me wrap it all up. 
But letting you know that something in you is crying for expression. Romans 8 and verse 19. The Bible says the earnest of creature is eagerly awaiting the revelation or the manifestation of the sons of God. And where will we manifest? Where are we supposed to be revealed? Let me end on that. Where will we manifest? Where are we supposed to be revealed? We're supposed to be revealed on our mountains of societal influence. So the church is to help people discover their shape and help them to be positioned on their mountain of societal influence. In 1975, the man named Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade, and his partner, Lauren Cunningham, who founded Youth with a Mission, which we call YWAM, developed a God-given, world-changing strategy, and their mandate is bring change to nations by reaching the seven spheres of mountains of societal influence. The seven spheres of influence of societal influence. After I've discovered my shape, I need to locate my mountain. Can you put up my slide, please? I need to locate my mountain. To change any people group, any nation, any city, and by the way, most of the prophecies of the Bible were to nations. Jesus went over Jerusalem. It's a people. How will Nigeria change? How will, you know, a people change? How will a people group change? How do we impact single mothers? How do we impact widows? How do we impact people living with certain disabilities? That, that's a nation. That's a people group. The word nation is ethnos, which is just people group, where we got ethnic nationalities from. People group. How do we impact people groups? There are seven mountains. And in Isaiah chapter 2, when you read from verse 1, the Bible says, shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be exalted above every other mountain. And nations will come into it. And it's not necessarily talking about church gatherings. Church gatherings will still continue to grow, but it's not necessarily talking about church gatherings. It's talking about what Christians who are in the, in, in the kingdom of God, tutored in a great church, Discipled in a great church will go out there and take over mountains and lead on those mountains. And then people will see what God is doing and come to God. The people whose mountain is art, entertainment, and media, if you want to change the next generation, change the nation, you get the right people to clean up the airways. Yeah. And to project principles that people should live by, not just things that will make them happy. You can be happy and still be miserable. Yeah, as a people. You can be happy and be poor. As in seriously poor. But if you clean up the airwaves, have people who know that God has placed them on the art and entertainment and media mountain, and they go with a kingdom mandate. You know, when a king sends you out of a kingdom, you have the scepter of authority. You know the message. You go with the message, and you stand on the mountain with that message. So you stay in the boardroom with the message of the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is the mountains that we must take it to. The people here who are in media, who are in entertainment, who sing, who act, are you representing God there? That's why this church exists. That's why the church exists. To raise you to go to that mountain and represent God there. We have business or economy. The people who are gifted with the gift of wealth creation, they know business. They can bring something out of nothing. They know how to incubate ideas and turn it to wealth. 
Are you doing it for breakthrough or for the kingdom? Because if you are a child of the kingdom, you have kingdom in mind first. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As you stay on your mountain, you are thinking, God, what are you doing in our world today? And how can I be a part of it? What are you saying so I can echo it to, on this mountain? Because the children of darkness, they go to those mountains, they have their agenda. Yeah, they have their agenda. Whether it's pro-abortion, whether it's uh, LGBT, whatever agenda, per time, any agenda. They, they, they are not, they don't mince words with their agendas. Yeah. But we, we want to be dignified. Yeah. But we can be dignified and still say, this is the kingdom's agenda. This is what we stand for. This is what God is doing in this time. This is how God wants to transform life. We can be dignified and still say that drugs will destroy young people's lives. And not play to the gallery. I hope you understand what I'm saying. When you get to our mountain, you can't set up a, a, a Christian business and you are sponsoring something that is destroying people's lives. That's not kingdom. And your money has never strayed to the church for preaching the gospel. And when we ask, we say, because pastors steal. This is not that kind of church. I don't touch your money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm content with what I have. I'm telling you the truth. When the account of this church, I mean, has been audited every year. This is my allowance. This is other things I work for. This is how I live my life. My dream is not to be stupendously wealthy, but to live a life of impact. That's my dream. If it's about being wealthy, I will not be here. I know how to make money. There's entrepreneurial uh, fluid that is flowing through me. Yeah. It takes the Holy Ghost to hold me down. <laughs> to be doing what I'm doing right now. If it's about money, <laughs> I know how to make money. The entrepreneurs here that I interact with, you know. You know I know money and I know how to make it. I've helped many people here to make money. I've sponsored people's ideas here. I've helped people to incubate ideas here. I trained myself up to a business school. I can say I'm, I'm, I'm not a bad businessman when it comes to real business. And I've made money before. So I've tried all the ideas. Are you still with me today? Yeah. I sit on one or two business boards and offer great ideas which they're using to make money. Some of them remember, some of them don't. It's okay. My goal is not money. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> but I, I hope you're, you're getting what I'm saying. All of, my mountain is primarily religion. That's where I am. That's why I stayed there. I have one leg in family and relationship and all that. One leg there. And the other, I'm using one hand to hold business. This is how I stand. But my main mountain is religion. And I want to make impact on that mountain. Can you hear me tap your neighbor and say, where's your mountain? Because you need to locate your mountain. Some people are called to education. We can't change a nation except some people rise up to the responsibility in the mountain of education. And bring kingdom influence there. and, And deploy their shape there. 
Some people are called into uh, uh, gov government and politics, governance and politics. We are called to politics. Let us know. We will support you. I don't mean we'll give you money, because some people think support is money. No, 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 no. We'll give you principles. We'll let you know what will work. Yeah. And we encourage you. And we'll disciple you. Some of the people stealing our money, who are Christians, we need to ask ourselves, which church did they come from? Who discipled them? Or did they stay for discipleship? Or they were, be, they were behaving like some of us who would just come one Sunday a month. You don't grow like that. When you get on your mountain, you may mess up, or the devil will mess you up when you are not well cooked. That's why some people make money. They get on the business mountain or, or, or you know, uh, uh, the, the, the business mountain. They make a lot of money. And then they just misbehave. Before you know it, they have been pregnant three people. Yeah. And then the pastor calls you on phone, you are not picking again. Because you don't even know the purpose of the world. You don't even know the purpose of the church. You think the church is about the pastor. And he's calling you because he's not seeing your offering. Who's, which offering? I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. That's how some, I mean, I've pastored some young people before. Some of them really misbehave. I've been pastoring for 20 years in this city. Yeah. Right from my days to days. There are people that, I mean, there are guys that I know when they came into this city 18 years ago as a youth copper. And today, they are in billions. They don't go to church again. Don't go to church again. Don't behave like Christian again. But we taught them all the principles. We thought they were listening to the other sides of the principles. We tried to help them to grow in their faith, but they didn't show commitment to faith development. They just wanted to break through. And now they've broken through, and it's an end in itself. They what they didn't know, what they don't know is that it was supposed to be a means to an end. God has a bigger or grander vision than for you to own a house in every country. There's a grander vision than that. Can you tap somebody again for me and say, which is your mountain? So the people on the science and technology mountain, whether it's medical science, information technology, you know, whatever mountain around that space, please own it. Own it. This is a technology age. God wants to use people within the church. It has happened before. It's going to happen again. Go and check it. The major scientists of the past were from the church. Sir Isaac Newton was a Christian. Yeah. How about Einstein? A Christian. Glory be to Jesus. This guy, John Newton, was in the Navy. You know what I love about him? You know that, that hymn that we, we all sing? This guy was not in the choir or anything. Amazing grace. I'll sweet the sound. That's a wreck like me. This is the guy that, that wrote it. He was a naval officer, a very bad guy, smoke, do everything, drink himself to stupor, behave like terrorists, beat up people. And one day, he was on a voyage. There was a bad storm. And he dared to pray. And the storm came. And he gave his life to Christ on his own. Started going to church, reading his Bible, and God gave him a bigger dream than success. He joined the likes of William Wilberforce in the whole Britain to fight for abolition of slave trade. That was a vision that was bigger than them. If they did not fight, then only God knows. Maybe you and I will be on one farm <laughs> in Spain or somewhere now picking apples. 
Because I was already dealing with our descendants. I'm just telling you that God wants to put his hands on ordinary people. Help them to discover their shape and to locate their mountain. May the hand of God come upon your life. You will discover your shape. You will locate your mountain. Your life will not be wasted. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray for somebody here today. Your eyes are open. In the name of the Lord Jesus. You will see what God is doing. You will walk in the fullness of God's plans for your life. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Lift up your hands everybody and celebrate Jesus. Bless the name of Jesus. Father we thank you. Father we thank you. This anniversary Sunday. We dedicate our new age to you. We ask that you continue to use us as a body. For anyone who may have strayed away from the path of purpose, we declare today a restoration. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, as a church, we ask that you restore us. Give us course correction. Help us to stay on track. That we may do that which is your good pleasure. That your kingdom will come. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, for anyone who may have been hindered in the fulfillment of their purpose due to lack, sickness, or anything that may want to hinder anyone here, we stand to proclaim the name that is above every name and we decree that the hold of sickness is broken. Yeah. That the hold of lack is broken. Yeah. There's an end to visionless living. Yeah. We proclaim and declare today new dreams and new visions. Yeah. That hope is rekindled. Yeah. In the name of Jesus, we speak restoration over someone here who has lost a means of livelihood. We decree in the name of Jesus that it's restored back to you. Yeah. You will not only live a good life, you will live a life of impact. Yeah. In the name of the Lord Jesus. We pray for our nation, Nigeria, today that the sun will rise again over this nation.